So from entry level to CEO sounds like a dream come true, right? Or perhaps like the result of being curious, working hard, and saying yes. Today, we're delighted to welcome April Klobus, President and Chief Executive Officer of MSU Federal Credit Union. April, we can't wait to hear your story. Thanks. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Let's talk about this wine you recommended to pair with your episode. You're a big Pinot Noir fan, and you recommended Big Table Farms. Absolutely. Um, so I am not uh, a very sophisticated drinker, so I've delved into uh, wine, and Pinot Noir is something that uh, I've grown to like and had an opportunity to go to Oregon um, and do some wine tasting and uh, big table farm has a great story. You can follow them on Instagram. Um, Claire Carver is um, a co-owner. She and her husband own the vineyard and she's also an artist and a painter. So when you go to their um, in town, like wine tasting room, it's full of all of her beautiful art. And so, you know, not only can you immerse yourself in in nice wine that I also think is uh, at a good price point, uh, accessible, um, but you can be surrounded by beautiful art when you're visiting with them. And I, I happen to enjoy art. And so I, I really just connected and they're just really friendly, nice uh, people. Um, they were just featured in Food and Wine magazine. So they're they're starting to become a little more well-known than they were in the past. And I was on their website, and I really uh, appreciated watching some of their videos that highlight their sustainability. Yeah, and yeah, so they 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 do everything on their farm, and everything you know is grown and managed through their farm process, which I think also is um, you know very positive in the environment. Um, and so you're seeing, and, and a little bit more as I've been um, paying more attention to vineyards. Um, you're seeing a big focus on sustainability of wine practices and, you know, how not only are they growing um, and distributing, but also how they are using materials and the byproducts from the wine production. So I think it's uh, something that I think we all could wrap our heads around as we want to have a sustainable planet. Absolutely. And I know Jen always appreciates um, a good wine label. What do you think, Jen? I sure do. And this one is fantastic. It's a, I think it's an illustration of their farmhouse, which is on this label, which is so charming. And as soon as you recommended them, I was hooked immediately because she really is a delightful artist and quite a, quite a breadth of skills. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. All their labels she's made. And so um, there's, if you go and, you know, dig into the social media, like they talk about February is when they, you know, they do a letter press and then when they have people like their friends come over and they literally do a wine labeling party event and stuff. So all drawn by Claire. Um, so they all feature different aspects of the farm. Um, one of the wines that I like, it has two pigs on the front. So, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's always fun. They have a, they're known to have like honey and a beehive. So one of the Chardonnays has, you know, like the queen bee on it and stuff in the art. So very fun. That is very, fun. Very cool. All right. Well, that's that. It's going to be a delicious glass of wine, I'm sure. Um, but we're here to talk about you. Oh, my goodness. My least favorite subject. So that should be fun. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so so quick overview. If For listeners who haven't met April, she is the CEO and 
head boss lady over at MSU FCU, which is such a great story. But you started there in 1996 and you were nowhere close to CEO level. So do you want to give us that quick recap? Sure. Um, I'll do the best I can to keep it quick in uh, 24 years of work. Um, I did start at the credit union in 1996 as a marketing specialist. So my background, uh, my educational background is in marketing, advertising, creative design work. So um, I worked in our in-house marketing team, um, had an opportunity after being here about five years to um, help us create and move into what I would say now is our digital experience channels. Back then, of course, we had much uh, less sophisticated names for what we were doing in that area of work, but really helped start the credit union's online experience for members, whether that was how you interacted with accounts, um, you know, digitally, how you did service um, through email or, you know, uh, message center, things along that line. Um, So setting up those departments, those processes, um, really moving uh, anything that you could do in person or on the phone to be a digital experience. So I did that for several years and grew those teams, you know, from one web programmer and one digital, you know, service provider employee um, and in over several years. So started there as a manager, um, really just by raising my hand and and telling, you know, the then CEO, like, I, I, I'll try to figure out how to make a website. I have no idea, but I'm sure I can make a brochure. It's not that much different. Turns out it's a lot different. Um, and even more so today than it was, you know, 20 years ago. But uh, so started that type of journey um, and grew the team into some of the processes that we have today still, which are um, pretty in-depth. We created our own, um, what you all know, if you remember, is Computer Line, which is a home banking platform. Um, we created all of our own mobile applications that you would do on your phone. Um, so all of that was created in-house by our team because that was uh, a good vision that we had. So did that for a little while. And then in 2009, my um, marketing boss from when I first started was retiring Um, And the CEO asked me to also um, work with the marketing team. So at that time, I became uh, vice president of marketing and e-commerce is what we referred to all the online division Um, and did that for a year and a half um, and then have opportunity to be promoted along with another individual at the credit union to executive vice president. Um, That role, um, I always teased my boss, you know, we had to keep what I called my day job that was running three departments and more than 40 hours a week already. Um, and take on the responsibility of having the rest of the organization's divisions report to one of the two of us. Um, And so that was his way to start preparing individuals to succeed him at the credit union when he was going to retire in about five years. We just didn't know the plan, um, but we started working uh, in that that format. Um, And then my counterpart uh, had an opportunity to leave and become the CEO at the University of Michigan Credit Union about a little more than a year, year and a half into that journey. Um, and so then um, my boss sat a, me down and was like, well, so here was the plan. I was going to have two prepared candidates for the board to have as an option for an internal choice. And now I have one. And so I'm going to spend, you know, the next uh, two years uh, for you to be the internal candidate. Um, and then if the board appreciates the work and what they see you doing, then you'll have an opportunity to be considered um, when I announce my retirement. So that's kind of my journey. Um, lots of things learned along the way, different skills, obviously, um, than when I came into the credit union. Um, but it's been an incredible journey of opportunity. And, you know, to be honest, I always tell people also being at the right place at the right time. That's fair. 
But it sounds like you'd never, you, you didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be a CEO someday. It's not something that was really on your sheet, right? On your goal list. No, it was never on my uh, goal list. Uh, I joke sometimes, you know, and say, I, I'm still not sure it was on my goal list. Um, you know, I, part of why I'm in the role here is I really, really love our organization. I always have, you know, from my first day working here, I believe in the mission of the organization, the impact that we have in our community and the work that we do and the the members are so engaged with the organization that it's not, you know, it's super easy to fall in love with the place. And so to me, I just wanted to keep working hard and doing more and better for everyone. And along the way, that became more of a leadership role with our team and to be able to help them be successful and make an impact to the members. And, and then, you know, it kind of grew into this opportunity to be the CEO, but, you know, up and really all along the way. And, and I joke and tell the story um, with my my predecessor one day and I sat down and was like, I really don't want to do this job. And he's like, well, what do you mean? It's kind of too late. Like you're the last person and I'm preparing someone and, and I put all this time and effort into, you, you know, why that's not fair. This isn't about you anymore. And, and he was right. It was, you know, it was one of those hard days. These jobs are not easy. I, I never, you know, pretend to tell anyone it's easy to be the CEO, but it was that moment where you just step back and go, being the CEO is nothing to do with you, right? It is everything to do with the people in the organization um, and external to the organization that you support. So for us, it's always our employees, our members, and our communities. And and that's who was depending on me um, to, to be able to be successful. And so that was that moment where I was like, oh, I probably you know need to change my mindset a little bit. So in, in other words, what I'm hearing you say is... You were groomed for this position to the point where you realized the position was not even about you anymore. It was more about serving your audiences and serving your employees. And over the course of time, the organization, MSUFCU, grew quite a bit, right? I mean, the number of employees you have and the number of members has just been growing and growing over the past couple of decades. So that's that's a lot to be responsible for. Uh, yeah, it is a lot to be responsible for. Um, so in my time working at the credit union, so when I first started, we had hundred employees and we were a $400 million asset credit union. So that's back in 1996. Um, when I became the CEO, which was in 2015, um, we were a two and a half billion dollar institution. Um, and, um, we, had um, probably about 650 employees. Um, so today um, we are 5.6 billion. So in just uh, five years, we pretty much more than doubled and our number of employees is really close to 900 today. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a really great testament to the success of the credit union. And I always tell everybody, you know, we grow really organically for the most part, um, and that is from people wanting to do business with us because of the experience that they have seen or heard from others. Um, also, the affiliation, you know, with the university um, is something that draws people to at least, you know, look at us um, for their new account. So very much uh, the, the growth of the organization is really, to me, member-driven. So we grow when we build new branches and reach new communities, but we go to those communities because our members have gone there and they're looking for 
us to be available to them. And, and so anytime we put a new branch in a community where we have not had a physical presence, um, you know, within, a, you know, three short years, you know, we always um, more than double the number of members and the number of accounts um, that each member is already that was there before um, double the business that they do with us because uh, people really do, even in the world of digital, want to know you're there for them in their community. So that's been part of how our growth has happened. Yeah. It's interesting. And I'm probably biased because I have been an MSU FCU member since I was 18 and a freshman at MSU. So of course I'm biased, but I feel as if our community and the larger Michigan community looks at you like a leader and someone they need and want and want to cheer on. I almost feel like the enthusiasm for the credit union is is up there with the enthusiasm for a sports team. It's like, we want you to win and everybody loves you excessively. It's felt like that ever since I've worked here. Um, I do think it has a lot to do um, with the organization in and of itself. And, 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 to, and that's not an easy answer to just give in a sentence. But what I think is the people who do work with us it's such a great experience from our employees. Um, and we have a culture, um, you know, of great employee engagement. And then that translates to taking care of the members. And because of that, they just really champion the organization. I think also we do so much to support the communities where we are, right? I always talk about we won't be a successful organization if the community isn't successful, right? If people aren't able to have business in their community or um, have jobs for themselves in their community, they won't need a new home or a new car or they won't be taking a vacation. So our services are not you know, meaningful in that case. And so we need a successful community where everyone has a chance to rise up for all business to be successful. And I think that in general, the membership and the community sees us contributing to that community's success and and they understand and value how important that is to make change positively in each community we're in. So I think that kind of helps them want to see us grow and be successful. And speaking of community, the number of boards that you sit on or chair is off the charts. Tell me why it's so important for you to stay engaged and why it's you and why you always say yes. <laughs> so I always say yes, um, pretty much to anything anyone asks. Um, there's a couple of reasons. I think uh, how my brain is wired is one of them. Um, my my predecessor, who has been my mentor over the years, you know what he told me he always appreciated about me is that I don't just necessarily do what is in the now, but I can see what is possible. And so I think when I'm saying yes, I think I'm looking to see not only what is happening today, but what is possible by me being involved in this organization or in this um, maybe responsibility role on their board. Um, so there's some of that. Some of it is, you know, I very much believe, as I just talked about, like the community engagement. And so we not only need to support community organizations financially, but we need to help them with leadership. And, you know, there's there's a no shortage of organizations in our community who need volunteers, who need board leadership, committee leadership. And I think on the other hand, there is a shortage of people who are willing not willing to, you know, give themselves um, the time to spend with the organization. So to me, I think uh, it's important that we all do that part. I think, again, it's personally for me, um, you know, my background is, uh, you know, uh, I came from, uh, you know, a background where 
Um, as a single family mom, you know, we, we didn't have a lot and oftentimes we depended on other organizations and, you know, for our success. And, and so you see the work of United Way and all the other organizations in our community. And I remember how that impacted my life and I want to be able to give back. And then lastly, I would say, I think it's important to, um, have some engagement with the organizations that you are supporting because, um, then you have put into the roadmap, the direction along that line. And then probably for me, oftentimes it's, um, it's on occasion, I've been maybe the first woman to serve in a leadership capacity for some of the organizations. Um, I, I recognize that all women and, you know, uh, leaders have an, maybe what I would say, like a responsibility to, to be present and to show others what's possible by, by serving. And, you know, if I'm not the first woman or first minority on a board, then there certainly won't be a second is what I always tell everyone. So I want to, to be engaged and to help people um, to see what is possible for every one of us. Speaking of possibilities um, and the thread of saying yes, do do you see that that translates um, to your internal meetings when you have employees coming to you wanting to innovate, um, are you thrown to say yes more often than not? <laughs> um, I say it, yes internally as well. Um, you know, first, I think a couple of things. You know, I've taken a lot of personality, uh, you know, assessments as all leaders do. My my uh, acceptance of change is on the very high end of I like change, um, which is different than most people. So I always have to recognize that I'm excited about, again, what can be um, versus what what is today happening and, you know, still, you know, uh, easier for me to, to figure out something new and exciting, I think. And so I think for our organization, you don't want to stifle people's creativity or ideas, though. And so I want them to, all of our employees, to come forward with new ideas um, they're spending their days with our members closer than I ever will be anymore. And so if they have great ideas because they think that this would benefit our membership, that would help us retain members, grow, be successful, then we say yes. So we have um, this year maybe harnessed that. We've had to put a little structure around creativity and innovation. Um, and we created a, a division in the organization that's called the Lab at MSUFCU. And through that, you know, we're finding pilots for employees. We have employees can submit um, to their ideas for voting for everyone um, to input their vote. And then we take some of the top ideas and we ideate on them and pilot them and, um, you know, move them into full-scale projects if they're successful in the beginning. Um, And I think you have to have internal entrepreneurship in order for the organization to constantly evolving to meet the changing needs of your, in our case, members, but, you know, consumers overall, because we don't live in a static world as much as, um, you know, sometimes people prefer that world. It, if you stay there, it, it'll pass you by. And so we have to keep moving forward. And that saying yes is part of that employee-centered culture that you were talking about. Yeah, there's, you know, there's very little that you can propose that would be detrimental, right? So why wouldn't we try, as long as we have the, you know, financial resources, um, most people's ideas are, you know, not going to be something that is very expensive to try in the beginning. Um, if you have the, the management team 
um, the process, the capacity to handle the ideas. I, I definitely am always wanting to try them for our employees. I have a question for you that's sort of a different track. If you could give advice to someone who's new in their career, it's their 1996 and they're just starting out. What advice would you give to a young woman who's looking to grow her career, but she doesn't know what the possibilities are? How do you get there? What attitude does it take? What steps should somebody take? You know, I think I look at it a little differently. And I think this is probably, I feel very old when I say some of this, right? So we talked about, like, I didn't come in with the intention to do anything other than the job I ever had. I just wanted to do whatever job I had to the best of my ability and then learn and do new things. Um, And so I think sometimes we get tied to the idea of what we want for our job. I want to be promoted. I want to have this job title. And we lose focus on the, and, and, and as much as I talked about, I don't focus on the here and now I want to change and be exciting, but you have to focus on what your job is, right? And so can I do the current job that I have? Can I do it better than anyone else? Can I work hard at it. And then when I have that in a really well done, how do I raise my hand and say, I can take on something new, um, you know, to help the organization or to grow my own skills and knowledge. I think you have to be open to doing new opportunities because your path up is not just a, you know, a trajectory like you see on a, you know, on a pie chart. It isn't just a big arrow growing up and it's this incremental stop. You know, it looks more like a plate of spaghetti. And, you know, really it is, um, if I do this over here, I'll learn this skill that will, and then I'm going to move to the right or to the left. And they're not always up, you know, it's just acquiring a wide depth of knowledge and a wide variety of skills that helps you be prepared for the positions that oversee many things. And so I think that that's something that I would say. I would also say, be patient with yourself. Um, you know, I worked here 24 years before I got this job, not, not you know, 24 months. Um, and so it does, it does take some time to gain the knowledge and the life understanding to be able to manage at a, at a higher level. And I think that just comes with time and experience. Um, not saying that we don't have opportunities um, all along the way, but, you know, people push themselves, I think, because they think they have to achieve something in a short time. And I I think you should be patient with your own self and your knowledge and your career path. It's interesting hearing you talk about it too, because, and, and we've talked about this with a couple of our other guests, people who have a long tenure in one organization are somewhat unique. I feel like rather than hopping from organization to organization to organization, and it seems that you have I mean, you've had quite the tenure in one organization, but it seems like you've also built an organization in which people can grow up and have lots of opportunities, which is super refreshing to think about. I don't know if the rest of the world thinks of career growth as being in one organization. That's very real. Um, And I think part of it depends on the organization, right? So when I came in, I had no idea I'd be here this long. I also had no idea what we'd grow into. Um, so when you're at a certain size organization and they're in growth mode, you know, your opportunities become almost unlimited. Um, and, and so you can grow with the organization. Um, as much as I've worked here for 24 years, I actually joke, I'm reaching here pretty soon. This position will be the longest I've held one type of, you know, one job, right? Like, so I've changed what my work was at the credit union uh, really frequently in those, you know, first 20 years. Um, 
compared to now and where we were moving and growing. So I had the chance to do almost a new job within the organization, which, you know, probably helps keep you in the organization. Um, and, and for us, what we try to do is we know we're still growing and we have opportunities um, for people that we want to help people get into those positions. So it's not as, um, not that I like to say it, but it's not as haphazard as when I started, right? There was, now we have formal programs. You have a leadership program. You have a pre-management training program. You have a management development program. Um, you have continuous management learning and the opportunity to um, change divisions that you want to work in. And we have formal you know, um, mentors and and helping you say, I want to learn a different job altogether. How do I start job sharing? What are my goals? How do I transition? Um, And we have a lot more of that formalized, which is the benefit of being a larger organization. Um, And so our goals always are to keep great talent within the organization. And if they would like to do something different and we have the ability to help them get to the position, we're going to do all that we can to retain the individual passion for the organization and help them acquire those new skills. Didn't you see it? I mean, obviously you're an example since you have become CEO, but you even said that um, your your current CIO was originally from the call center. Is that right? Yep. She was literally a part-time employee in the call center because at the time she thought she was going to be um, an x-ray technician at the hospital. And so she was studying, um, this was already her second, uh, you know, career. She had a different degree and spent a few years on undergrad um, doing that work, and then moved back to Michigan and, you know, thought, "Oh, I'll do this," and then came to work at the call center and again fell in love with the organization, the culture, um, and then moved to full time and changed jobs and positions and went back and, you know, did different uh, education programs. And, you know, we have a great tuition reimbursement program. So it allows people to, um, you know, acquire additional skills um, through education. And, you know, and today she's our chief information officer, leading a team of uh, over 80 individuals responsible for everything from software development to information security uh, to project management and so on about IT. And she's worked here probably about, I would say she's at least 16 years or more. And of those 10, she's worked um, with me, um, probably always one, you know, level below where I was in the organization. And she was a manager for me and uh, an assistant vice president and, you know, so forth in her career as well. We, we did a panel together for our um, core software and they laughed about like, Oh, you guys are celebrating your 10 year anniversary working together. And, you know, that moment of like, oh, I guess it has been 10 years, but it's been 10 great years because we know how to work well together because of our growth together in the organization. And I bet you there's a hundred stories like that, that you could find internally where people are celebrating the way that they've, uh, their lives have been enhanced by working at at the credit union and and certainly their professional careers. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, people stop and will tell us all the time, either how they were able to, you know, they, get, you know, their whole life has been, you know, while they're here, I got married, I had a family, um, you know, I bought my first house. Uh, this is, you know, what I've changed in my career. Um, we just promoted uh, one of our employees who literally has worked here 11 years. She started as an intern when I was in the marketing department. Um, and now she's an assistant vice president, right? So it, it does happen. And, you know, it's, it's very fun and exciting to see 
again, another way I'm starting to feel old because I was like, oh, I remember when we hired you, <laughs> you know, nine <laughs> years ago and you were an intern. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't think you can talk about being old. I think we're going to just leave that one off the table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, I think back to when I started and I was a, uh, you know, recent out of college grad, I felt like people saying things like that sounded old. So that's why I'm always like, huh, now I sound like those folks. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever do this thing where you still feel like a kid and then you remember, oh, wait, I'm not a kid anymore? Oh, yeah. Anytime like step foot, like I, I like to go on campus at MSU to like walk, you know, in the old days I would say run that, but, um, every time I step foot on, I feel like, Oh, it's freshman year. And then I have to look around and go, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yep. I always feel very, oh, I always feel the oldest around campus, um, during either football or basketball season, where when you see the faces of the athletes that are, you know, participating when you're like, oh, they're just babies. <laughs> right. I used to, because in my job here, right, we'd be on campus for when students move back in. And, you know, the first few years you're like, oh, let me tell you all about being a student and all of this. Now it's now I'm like, oh, let me let me explain to the parents about what we can, you know. And I was like, oh, that I remember distinctly the year that now the parents were asking me questions and not the students who went, oh, now I'm old enough to be the parent of the kid coming to college, mm -hmm. kid coming to college. That was a, a very eye opening moment. Well, speaking of going to college, um, I know that you are a first-generation graduate on your father's side. Talk to me a little bit about, talk to both of us about kind of how you, how you, how you grew up and, and how you landed in college. Sure. So um, I'm first-generation on actually both my parents' um, families. Um, my father is first-generation. Actually, I'm the first-generation on my father's side of the family to be born in the U.S. Um, so my grandparents and their uh, four children came to the U.S. after World War II. They came from Germany. Um, my father and his sisters, you know, started uh, school in the U.S. not knowing any English. Um, and if you think back to after World War II, speaking German probably wasn't very popular for them in school. Um, my great-grandfather and my grandfather's uh, side of the family um, had uh my great aunts and uncles were in concentration camps. And so that's how we ended up in the U S because, um, they, they came, you know, they were liberated. And so those individuals came to the U S and then the rest of the family, you know, um, came over afterwards. And so, um, so my mom's side of the family is from Michigan and, uh, if you like the it, Pink County, share it with a uh, Linwood area, um, so I spent my summers, you know, I tease, bailing hay, picking pickles, uh, feeding chickens. That was my summer jobs with my grandparents. Um, and my parents split when I was uh, 10. Um, and uh, so we had a, you know, single mom um, household for many years. We didn't have a car in the beginning. Um, you know, I, I've had a job working as soon as I could, two, three jobs in high school all the time. Um my mom is incredible. And if you ever, anyone who ever sees me with her or sees me talk about her, um, you know, she's the reason I am doing what I'm doing, right? Like she emphasized going to college and um, how education would help you and that um, nobody wants to be in a difficult position financially in their lives. And the only way out of that is through education. And, and so, you know, that's something that we held really dear. And so um, I worked 
all through high school and uh, all through college to uh, pay for undergraduate. And, you know, and then 10 years after it took me to pay off what I had for student loans, um, you know, but you do that every day over. I mean, I can't imagine I'd have any of the opportunities I've had today if we hadn't, you know, worked towards going to college. That's a good pitch right there. And considering I have, I have um, one who's trying to decide what college he's going to this year. I'm just going to let him listen to that story. (laughs) You know, it's, I think back on it, and this is, you know, also what you can reflect on as you do get older. I can't imagine at 18 that I had any idea what I wanted to do with my life and, you know, how to picture where you'd be, you know, 30 years forward. Um, You know, but the one thing that's solid is go to college and and you'll figure that out. But it's definitely, uh, it's helpful. It was for me. And and I know college isn't always a path for everyone, but, you know, it was definitely for me. Jen and I both have many clients who are working on college access across the state, so we can appreciate just how accurate your statements are about that education is the underpinning of what's next. Speaking of what's next, what's next for you and for the organization? What do you got on the docket? Oh, always so many things. See, it's that what can be. Um, so we, um, this year, you know, I, it's contrary to what people might think. We've opened uh, several new branches during the pandemic. Um, and we are currently building a branch in Traverse City to be a second location in Traverse City. So that will open uh, mid-year next year. We have a regional building in Oakland County and Auburn Hills right next to Oakland University's campus. So we also serve Oakland University from their beginnings with MSU. And so we'll have a regional building there where we'll be able to um, have, you know, a team um, of call center employees, e-services, some of the other uh, maybe not frontline facing positions that will be able to be housed in Oakland County. Um we're hopeful we'll be building a new building in East Lansing in the downtown area um, where we will relocate a branch, um, have a community room space, have a space for MSU student interns. Um, so a lot of great things happening there. Um, new products and services are always on, on and, uh, uh, you know, enhancing our digital experience and our digital product offerings is uh, lots of projects related to that next year. Um, so lots of great stuff coming as uh, normal for us. It's pretty exciting. Um, when we're all traveling again, will you be going to Oregon to get more wine? Or to, <laughs> um, depending on delivery at this point. Yeah. You know, so what I did learn by going to Oregon is that they do nicely ship to everywhere, which is kind of nice. But the fun part about going to Oregon is to experience some of the you know, smaller vineyards that don't have a national distribution. Like I would never know. You just, you can't walk into the store or go to a restaurant and have some of these wines available to you. So you have to experience them and taste it. And then, oh, I like that. And then ship it to me. So um, it is definitely the trip is fun because you get that experience. Um, So yeah, I anticipate we'll go to Oregon. Um, When I can travel again, though, I'm going to go as many places (laughs) <laughs> well thank you thank you for um sharing this vineyard with us we're lucky we didn't have to travel um in order to learn about it but uh big table farm pinot noir is so tasty I, I it's well worth it april thanks a ton for taking the time today it's so interesting to hear your story and really 
it's interesting and inspiring to me because I, I think that there are a lot of people who can hear that message of, I didn't really plan to be where I am right now, um, but I'm happy I'm here and I'm happy I'm doing what I'm doing. So I really like, I, I just like hearing about your trajectory. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it very much. So all good stuff. No worries. That's it. This this wasn't the, the, that uh, difficult at all. So thank you. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing all of your stories. No problem. So I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to be on the show. It's always fun. And, uh, enjoy uh, you know, listening to other stories, though, So instead of my own. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode. If you liked it, share it with a friend. Hey, Karen, what are we talking about next time? Oh, the next episode is one we have been waiting to talk about for a long time. And now we have an exceptional reason to dig in. Yep. In honor of VP Kamala Harris, as well as the many extraordinary women and female leaders we're surrounded by, we're going to be talking about glass ceilings. Join us as we talk about bursting through barriers and the work still left to be done.